Father, we thank you so much for this time. We ask your blessing to be with us one more time. We thank you for the joy that we have in you. We ask you to guide and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. What was that question? Yeah, yeah. When, 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 you, when you give the Bible study to the person, you're going to have your own lesson. They're going to have their own lesson. You're not sharing a lesson, okay? So you're going to give them a clean lesson if you're doing whichever method, and either they're going to fill it out or you'll go through it together. So the beauty of this is that once you complete your series of, series of Bible studies, you have your set of Bible studies that you'll use over and over again. And you don't have to spend the amount of time preparing them. You have to do that once. And then every time you study with somebody, you may tweak it a little bit. But you'll be able to do that on the fly after you've done a few Bible studies. You know, you'll be able to, you might use a different illustration or something, but you're going to have your deal here. And, this and after a while, these things are going to be like, you know, like the colors fading and it's wearing out, but you have your set of lessons. Get yourself a little notebook um, to keep them in if you want to punch holes in them and keep them there. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing. Does that make sense? Yes. No, if they have an objection right then, you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it then. If they have a curiosity, you say, well, we'll talk about that later. But they have a, well, I, I don't know about that verse. What about this one? You need to deal with it then. Here's what you'll find. How many of you, your biggest fear is they're going to disagree with you or, or they're going to say, well, I, what about this? And you're, you're afraid that they'll ask you a question you don't have an answer to, et cetera, right? What you'll find, <clears throat> does everybody know what I mean when I say objection? They'll say, you'll, you'll go through the Sabbath study. They'll say, what about Colossians 2 over here that says, don't judge me on the Sabbath, right? Romans 14.5 that says every man esteems one day above another, but let every man be fully convinced in his own mind. You guys know what I'm talking about? They object or they give you some kind of thing that you have to answer and defend. What you'll find is that on every subject, they have about four to five of the most common objections that 90 to 95% of the people are going to always ask the same thing. That makes sense? So what's beautiful, what I used to have my students do is on every subject, they'd have to answer, I'd give them five objections that are the most common, and they'd have to answer those for me. And once you learn how to answer those, people ask you that thing, and you, you just present the same thing every time. And you just become like a machine, and you know how to answer that, and it's just like boop, 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 boop. And once you master those top objections, then, you know, like sometimes people always throw something out there that's weird and quirky, but most people are going to ask you the same thing and you respond the same way, and then there's no fear because you kind of know what's coming. Does that make sense? And, you can, and the more you answer that question, the more tight your answer gets and the more convincing it gets. And, and, and what I've found is that the best revelations come when I'm in the midst of the study, not when I'm trying to prepare the study. That's why people say, well, I don't know because I, I, um, you know, I don't feel like I know my Bible enough to, to study the Bible with people. Well, the best way to get to know the Bible better is to share what you know. It's to share what you know. It's not to sit for years preparing and studying and 
is to share what you know. When you share what you know, God gives you more, and he gives you more, okay? And uh, God can't ask you to do any more than share what you know, but he will always ask you to share what you know. And if you don't share what you know, you're accountable, right? So, yes, sister. I was just going to say that most of these sons already have their connections. Yeah, I think these do. The It Is Written ones do. Yeah, they do. They do. The It Is Written ones do. And uh, so the beauty, the beauty of it is, is it's not like you're always going to be challenged and you're not going to No, most people are going to ask the same questions. And you're going to, once you master that answer, you're good to go. You're good to go. Does that make sense? It's not difficult. Yes. What if they ask you a question? I'm going to come to that. I'm going to come to that. All right. And, and trust me, it's not hard. Okay. We'll get to that. All right. You guys ready to go? Did we pray? Okay. All right, this is how I'm going to talk to you now about how to write your own Bible studies from scratch. As I said before, there will be subjects that you need to study with that person that uh, will not be in these series of lessons. You might be going through these lessons, and they might say something like, you know, these are great Bible studies, I've enjoyed them, I'm learning a lot, and I appreciate the truth, but... You know, I have a problem in my life that I have an issue with anger. And I'm always yelling at my wife. I'm always yelling at my kids. I'm always yelling at the people I work with. How do I, what does God say about that? How do I get victory over it, right? And you're going to be like, uh, you know, you don't want to be like a Jehovah Witness where if you get thrown off your script, you can't function, right? I study with Jehovah Witnesses and I, ask them all kinds of questions they don't know how to answer. Because like every question I ask, they're like going to the index of their little book saying, does it talk about this, you know? And uh, you want to be very fluid. <clears throat> By the way, uh, when you're given Bible studies, if you make a mistake, just keep going because the chances are they don't even know you made a mistake. Don't stop and apologize for it. Just keep going. They probably don't even know. You, in your mind, you're thinking, I just blew this thing up. And in their mind, they're thinking, this is the best thing I've ever heard, right? So don't ruin it. Don't be so self-paranoid. Trust that God will bless you. Now, I'll get on to that later. All right, so what happens if somebody says, well, how do I have victory over my anger? Or, or you know, maybe you need to do a Bible study on the Holy Spirit or the Trinity or, or just about any subject. The method I'm about to show you is going to take us probably 15 or 20 minutes for me to go through this but it will change your life because you can take any subject of the Bible and you can use this method to write your own Bible study. And all you have is a Bible, a pen, a piece of paper, and maybe a concordance or some kind of Bible software that you can look up a word. Okay? Ready for this? You're going you're gonna to be like, this was so easy. I could have, why did I even come, right? All right, so... Why didn't I think of it, right? All right, so number one, uh, now, now let me just say, I'm not discrediting these because you want to use these. These are good for you, okay? But you're going to bump into this at some point or another where you have to figure out. Uh, number one, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what subject that person needs to study. Number two, it's very easy. How many of you remember in school you had the five W's and H? What are those? Who? What, when, where, why, and how, right? 
And we used to have to write little papers on that. You come back from Christmas, give me the five W's and H of what you did over Christmas. I just hated doing that, hated it. And I would come back and just knew the teacher was going to ask that. But I realized I was praying one day, and I said, Lord, the lessons are great, but I need to prepare my students for more than just doing the lessons. They need to use the lessons because they don't reinvent the wheel. But what goes beyond that? And the Lord brought this to my mind, and it's a very simple method. And in fact, it's really the method that most of the Bible study guides use already. It's nothing new. It's nothing new that I came up with. It's just applying it. And uh, so I asked the five W's and H for any subject and research Bible text with the concordance to answer the questions. Now, you can do this one of two ways. And... Uh, I think one way is a little bit better than the other, but you can use, uh, let's just suppose I'm going to study anger with a person because they got anger problems, right? So I pull out my concordance and I look up what word? Anger. And it's going to show me what? All the Bible verses that deal with that subject, right? Pretty simple. Now, there are other words in the Bible that are related to the word anger, and what might some of those be? Wrath. I'm going to look up all the tenses of anger. Angry, angered, you know, whatever they are. Wrath, all the words associated with anger, resentment, bitterness, etc. I'm going to have a list of Bible verses. Now, I might have 150 Bible verses, but we know we're not going to use that, right? So start with verses that you're already familiar with. Did you catch that? Start with verses you're already familiar with because you already know what? You already know those. You're already familiar with those. And those make the best Bible studies, okay? So I'm going to have, how am I going to narrow them down? How many verses do I want to have? 10 to 15, right? 10 to 15, okay? So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to take those verses and I'm going to turn them into what? Into questions. And I'm going to cover all the five W's and H. Okay? Are you with me? All right. Now, uh, once I, and I'm going to show you how this works in just a minute, but once I have the framework for my Bible study, I'm going to then include, you know, a couple of illustrations, Right? just like I told you before. I'm going to include at least a personal testimony, right? Okay, you with me? I'm going to have an appeal and what? A decision question, right? Are you with me? The end of the study that will prompt the person to follow the new truth. And then I'm in between. You notice how if you look at the It Is Written lesson, you see number one here has number one, the question, and then it has the what? The Bible verse, right? Then what does it have under the Bible verse? Some kind of little what? Comment that kind of just kind of kind of commentary on that verse. Does that make sense? Whatever I want to say. Are you with me? And everyone has that. So I might write out a few comments after that verse just so that I know what my thoughts are going to be, okay? Because you remember, that person may not have a copy of your Bible. So you might prepare one for you and one for them. Okay, you make sense? 
You might print one off for them, but it's not going to be the same as yours. It's going to be a little different, okay? Now, so let me show you how this works. I'm going to go through this subject of the second coming, and I'm going to ask these questions. Now, you can do this one of two ways. Don't get confused. It's very simple. I, how many Bible verses do I want? 10 to 15. So I have these questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how. How many questions are there? Six. I can do this one of two ways. I could ask 12 questions with how many verses each? One, because I don't want to have more than 10 to 15. Or I could ask six questions and have how many verses per question? Two. Got it? However you want to do it, and it may be different for each study, okay? Make sense? Because you may want a little bit more meat with each of those questions, okay? So here I have a Bible study on the second coming, okay? Now I have multiple questions for each one, but I, I, I'm just showing you as an example of questions you can have, okay? You do not have to have the who, what, when, where, why in order. It doesn't have to be that way. It can be however you want it to be, okay? But you're just using those, those questions as a guideline for your study, okay? What you find typically, though, is that the how, the how question, is usually at the end because it usually is the question that most easily transitions into your what? Your appeal and your decision question. You'll see how that works here in just a minute. So let me show you. Uh, we're going to go through the second coming. And we're going to, I'm going to give you some who questions. Who does the Bible say what? Is coming back. Got that? Who is he coming? So the Bible says what? Acts 1.11 says that this same Jesus, whom you saw go up into heaven, will return in like manner. Right? Got that? So that text answers that question. Now, if I looked up in the concordance about the return of Jesus coming back, I would come across that verse, and I can take that statement and turn it into a question. What's the text that says uh, a soft answer turns away wrath? Pro it's in Proverbs. I forget the exact verse. But that text, a soft answer turns away wrath, how do I turn that into a question? Yeah, what does a soft answer turn away? Or what, what type of response can turn away wrath. You could word it different ways. Does that make sense? So you can take the verse, you reword it into a question. Isn't that so easy? That's basically all these Bible studies do. That's all they do. Yeah, it's not hard to do that, okay? But you've got to make sure that you stay true to the text, okay? All right, who is he coming back for? John 14, 1 to 3, who? It says, if I go... I will come again and receive who? You unto myself, right? That where I am, there you may be also. Who's coming with them when he comes? Matthew 25, all the what? All the angels in heaven, right? Make sense? Then here's some what questions. What are the signs of his coming? <clears throat> Matthew 24, what is the manner of his coming? power and great glory. Who will see Jesus? Revelation 1.7, how many? Every eye will see Him, right? Who will hear Him? Every what? Ear. So 
as you're looking up the verses on the second coming, you know, um, you sometimes have to be a little bit thoughtful in forming your questions. Make sense? But most of the time, the statement can be easily turned into a question. Got me? Okay. What deceptions will there be about His coming? 2 Corinthians says that Satan will turn himself into an angel of light. You guys know that verse? What will happen to the wicked? What happens to them? They what? They're destroyed. What happens to the righteous? Now, as you've, as you've gone through a Bible study in the second coming, do you find these elements to usually be there? So there's in most Bible studies that are subject-based, you're pretty much asking the same questions all the time in every Bible study, no matter what they are. If you take this one, or you take the Landmarks of Prophecy, or you take the Amazing Facts Bible Study Guides, it doesn't matter. They all pretty much ask the same one. Questions, they all pretty much use the same verses. Okay, So the important thing to remember is, do not overthink it. Do not overthink it. Say it with me together. Do not overthink it. If you're, if you're struggling, you'll find resources, but don't overthink it, okay? Too many of us have that problem. We think that this is some kind, we have to have some kind of degree. We should all be workers. Every one of us can do this, okay? It's not difficult. If, if, if there's something that, if there's some do-it-yourself project at your house, and you don't know how to do it, you don't have the money to pay someone else to do it, what do you do? You figure it out, <clears throat> right? You go to YouTube, you read books, you watch videos. <clears throat> and we don't hesitate to do that because we want that fence to look nice and pretty, don't we? So we're going to figure out how to do it. It's the same thing here. If you don't know how to do it, figure it out. Don't be so timid about this, okay? We're, we're, tim we're not timid about anything else, but when it comes to this, we're timid. Don't be timid. Be bold. If you, if you can't be bold, pray for boldness. In the book of Acts, they prayed for boldness. All right, where will Jesus take us? John 14, 1 to 3, He's taking us where? To heaven. Why do some people say it's a secret? Those verses talk about thief in the night, right? So I can explain that to them through my Bible study. Now notice how the how will start to move into my appeal, Okay. How can I avoid being deceived about the second coming? What do I do? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, 16. I know the Scripture, right? The Holy Scriptures will make me wise. And then my appeal, how can I be what? <clears throat> how can I be ready for the second coming? Jesus stands at the door and what, friends? He knocks. How has God made it possible for me to be ready? He does, I do what did he do? He died for me. Make sense? You guys with me? He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him. All right? So let's do another one on the what? On the Sabbath, okay? Now, most, most study guides are going to have a subject on this, but I'm going to do one on, on faith here in just a minute. Question, who what? Created the Sabbath. Who did it? says, on the seventh day, God, what? Rested, right? Who is the Sabbath intended for? Sabbath is made for man. What is the purpose of the Sabbath? To be a what? 
sign that, God, that we know that God is the one that sanctifies us, right? Created us. What does He promise if we keep the Sabbath? I'll cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, Isaiah 58. When is the Sabbath? It's the what? <clears throat> Seventh day, right? When did God establish the Sabbath? Creation, Genesis 2. When does the Sabbath begin and end? Sundown to sundown, right? Sundown, sunset to sunset. Here's some beautiful questions. Where were Jesus and the apostles on the Sabbath? Where were they? They were in church, weren't they? They were worshiping God. Where does God want me to be on the Sabbath? Church, right? Why is the Sabbath so important to God? Because He wants the Sabbath to be a what? A delight. It's not burdensome, right? Why should it be important to us? Oops. How long will we keep the Sabbath? Isaiah 66, how long? How long will God's end-time people view the Sabbath? How will God's end-time people... How will God's end-time people view the Sabbath? Revelation 14, 12, what does it say? Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus, right? How does keeping the Sabbath affect my relationship with Jesus? John 14, 15, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Isn't it beautiful? Now, if, you, if I were to ask you to write down, right now, even before I did this, all the verses about the Sabbath that you know in your head, how many of you would have written down all, some, I mean all, most, or at least some of these verses? Okay? You're pretty familiar with these verses, right? So that's what you do. You pick your subject, and you say, what verses do I already know about this? Write them down on a piece of paper, right? Make a list. Then after you do that, you go where? To the concordance. Or you can do Bible software. Just type in Sabbath, and boom, they're all going to pull up, right? And then you start picking those things apart. And here's the beauty. It might take you an hour. It might take two hours. It might take some of you three hours to prepare that Bible study. But once it's prepared, what? It's prepared. And you can use it from now till the Lord comes. Now, you'll tweak it. You'll change it. You'll tighten it up. You'll, you'll make it better. But it's there. Amen? You know these sermons that you hear at ASI and GYC and at camp meeting? You know, these speakers come up. You think that's the first time they've ever preached that sermon? No. Where do they preach it first? They preach it in their local church first. Then they get invited to another church and they preach it there. And they keep tightening it and tightening it and tightening it. And then when they go to GYC, you're like, oh, wow, he's the greatest speaker I've ever heard. Well, the first time he preached that sermon, it might have been a bomb. But he kept preaching it, and it got better, and he made better points, and it's going to be the same for you. Does that make sense? And by the time, but you, but in order to get it really good, you have to do what? You have to plow through the drudges, right? And work that thing over and keep tightening it up. Amen? All right, how about one on this one? I don't have the text here, and I usually would assign you to actually look up the text. But here's a great study on faith. Who needs faith? All of us, right? You can ask the question also, who gives faith? What is faith? When does God give us faith? When do we need faith the most? Where do we discover faith? Why is faith so important? Why is it vital in the Christian life? How do we increase our faith? How do we share our faith? How is faith relevant to us in the daily life? All those questions can be answered from what? 
Bible questions. You look up the word faith in the Bible, and you, and you, and you have at it, right? So it would be at this point in my normal course where I would divide you up into four groups, and I would give you each an assignment. And as a group, I'd give you about 45 minutes, and you would actually sit and write a Bible study. I'd assign you a subject. I usually assign Jesus Christ as, one's, as one study, anger as one, the Holy Spirit as one, and truth as one. And so I would have you divide up, and you'd be in four groups, and each of you would take a subject. You would prepare a Bible study and 45 minutes to an hour, and then we'd come back and you would present it to the class. We don't have time for that today, okay? So here, I'm going to give you an assignment. Are you ready? Find a partner. You have a, it could be your spouse, but find a partner before you leave today and pick one of those subjects. Pick a subject that is not a traditional doctrine. It's not the Sabbath, it's not the state of the dead, it's anger, it's truth, it's some other subject, whatever subject you want. And try this evening, if you can, to prepare a Bible study on that subject. Or at least just, just get the idea rolling, okay? Okay? You got that? If you don't have a concordance here, you can, you can use a Bible software. Does that sound pretty good? So here's the thing. Once you put this together like this, you're going to have your questions, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So I'm going to have, is there 10 there? Oh, yeah, there's 10 there. 10, I was, didn't have that highlighted. You're going to have 10 questions, so I'm going to have one verse per question, right? So I'm going to have number one, number two, number three, and it's going to look like just like this by the time you get to the end, right? You're going to add your illustrations. You're going to add your personal testimonies. You're going to add your appeal, and boom, voila, you have a what? You have a Bible study, and it's all right there, and you can use that Bible study forever. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen? Isn't it beautiful? Was that simple? Was that easy? See, it took me 21 minutes to tell you how to write your own Bible study. If I can do it in 21 minutes, you could surely prepare your own in an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever, right? Can I use the Bible study I've already built? You can. I built it from scratch. You can. I mean, I would follow this format. And once again, you don't want to get too in-depth with people. You don't, want to, you don't want to give them a thesis or a dissertation, okay? Keep it short, keep it simple, keep it focused, have your illustrations, your testimonies, and the Holy Spirit will guide you, amen? You do have what it takes for Jesus to use you to give a Bible study because God doesn't need perfect talent or skill, He needs who? He provides the talent and the skill, doesn't He? But He wants to do it through you because if He were to use perfect which, which brings more glory to His name? For Him to use perfect angels to proclaim His power and glory, or for Him to demonstrate His glory and power through fallen human beings? Which is the greater joy, right? It's Him, right? All right. Now, we have something like 28 minutes. 
Are you guys fried yet? Good? Why don't you stand up and stretch? We're not going to take a break. Stand up and stretch, okay? And now we're going to go through our last little section here on how to give Bible studies. And it's real simple. It's not hard. Even if it was, you guys are so smart and intelligent. When did you say you're having a 10-day course at Lansing? September 8 through 17, I think it is. Well, I, I videotaped this, and so you see all these little black slides. We videotaped it in like 10-minute segments, so I divided it with a black slide, so I just had to delete those. All right, let's cover this last part, okay? It's all just basic common sense stuff here when you're giving a Bible study, all right? So let's have prayer, and we're going to usually take a couple hours to do this one. I'm going to do it in 26, 27 minutes. All right? You ready? Crash course version? All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you again for this opportunity. Bless us now as we enter into our last segment. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to talk about how to give effective Bible studies. Very simple. ABCs of Bible studies. Very easy, very straightforward. If you can do these three things, you will be miles ahead of most people who attempt to give Bible studies. You'll be miles ahead of most pastors who give Bible studies. First thing is, always present what or who? Jesus when? First. Notice what Ellen White says here in the book Evangelism and page 264 and then Desire of Ages. The very first and most important thing is to melt and subdue the soul by presenting our Lord Jesus Christ as the sin-bearer the sin-pardoning Savior, making the gospel as clear as possible. Amen? The wonderful love of Christ will melt and subdue hearts when the mere reiteration of doctrines would accomplish nothing. Does that mean we don't cover doctrines? If you blend the doctrines with Jesus, it makes the perfect beauty, doesn't it? It makes the perfect beauty. So we're always presenting Christ in every Bible study. We're not just presenting subjects. We're presenting Jesus through the subject, okay? Secondly, it is reveal truth how? Gradually. When we give Bible studies, what we're not doing is telling them about the mark of the beast in Bible study number two. Well, what if they ask me, what is the mark of the beast? Well, I have an answer for that. Yeah, we have a study coming out. What if they press me about it? What if they keep asking me? Don't make the mistake of some who say, well, they kept asking me, so I just felt I should tell them. They told them they lost the Bible study. Okay? Uh, don't do that. You don't, you don't put the rafters up on a house before you lay a foundation, do you? You have to lay the foundation. And then thirdly, make regular what, friends? Appeals. Uh, Testimonies, volume 6, page 64, at the close of every meeting or what? I added this. But as a Bible study, a meeting, it's a meeting, isn't it? The close of every meeting, decisions should be what? Called for. Starting off with little what? Decisions and building up to bigger decisions. If they say yes to the little ones, it increases their opportunity or their willingness to say yes to bigger ones. Um, all right. A few prints. So those are the ABCs. Aren't they pretty simple? 
Pretty simple, right? Through principles, all who show an interest and desire should be given the opportunity to study God's Word, but you want to spend quality time with those who are what? Right. How do we know if they're right? What's that? I test questions, right? And people who are beginning to make changes in their life, people who are coming under conviction, people who are, if somebody says to you, you know, um, you, think, you think I could go to church with you this week? Is that, a pot, is that right fruit, yes or no? Yes. But if you've asked them 47 times to come to church and they haven't, are they probably right fruit? Not right fruit. Or if they ask you questions like, um, what does God say about this? What does the Bible say about that? Or how do you pray? Or how do I know God better? Or why do you keep the Sabbath? Are those all positive indicators of right fruit? What do you think? Positive indicators, right? So spend some time with people who are green, but be sure you don't let them run you in circles. I've met people who say, well, I've had a Bible study, and we've been studying for the last 37 years. And, um, you know, I know we're going to get there someday. I'm like, what have you studied with them for 37 years? Like, what are you studying? Well, you know, they've never called them to decision. They're not ripe fruit. We need to focus on ripe fruit. People who make decisions, who are making changes in their lives, and what do we do with the rest? Do we just drop them? No, we pray for them, and God will begin to work in their life, and He'll make them more and more right. You know, Ellen White has that vision where there's uh, Christ is up on that platform, right? And there's all these workers out there in the fruit trees, and all this fruit is falling to the ground and what? Rotting while the workers are trying to pull off the green fruit, right? And we need to be looking for that ripe fruit. And we, I usually spend quite a bit of time talking about that, but not, not here in this setting. All right, what about my time outline of my Bible study? How long should I be in the Bible study? How many of you have ever done a Bible study and you were there for like four hours? Big mistake. Big mistake. Because here's what happens. I used to have AFCO students, and I would tell them, your Bible study should be no longer than one hour, occasionally an hour and 15 minutes, but that's not the norm. If you can get out of there in 45 minutes, it's not typical, but if you can, that's even better because you want to be dangling the what? Carrot. And they used to come back and they'd say, you know, oh, I just met this amazing interest and, and we stood at the door with them for two hours and, and we just had our first Bible study. It was four and a half hours and it was just incredible. They're just loving it. I just know they're going to be baptized. And I said, you know what? I'm telling you, you need to cut that back to one hour. And they'd be like, yeah, but you just don't understand this person. They just really love to study the Bible. And I say, I'm telling you. And they say, no, no, no. I say, whatever. Go ahead. About, about a month later, I'd ask them, how's that Bible study going? Well, they canceled. They don't want to study anymore. I said, well, well, well tell me, what reason did they give for not wanting to study? Were they interested anymore? Oh, no, they really loved the studies. They really loved it. They were just, I said, well, why then? They said, well, it was just taking too much of their time. I said, oh, really? I said, you remember that conversation we had a couple weeks ago? Yeah. I said, you're going to remember that next time? Yeah. And so what happens is this. When you spend all that time with somebody, they may love it for the first few times, but you can be sure that Satan is going to bring something into their life that's going to take their time. And when they start looking through their week and they say, what do I need to cut to do this? 
what's the first thing they're going to think about? Like a Bible study, right? And here's the truth. They will never remember the fact that they were asking you to stay longer. All they remember at that point is that you were there for four and a half hours. That's all they remember. Does that make sense? They don't remember that they asked you to stay longer. So what I do is I make sure I'm out of there. And they may say, oh, stay longer. I want to do more. And I'm saying, you know, I, I really have to go. I have another appointment. And what if I don't have a physical appointment? I'll make an appointment with God an hour and five minutes after that study to be down at the street to pray for that person. That simple, right? I have another appointment I can't miss. I have to go pray for them. I don't tell them what it is, but I just say I have an appointment. And I, I always put it on people. Well, you know, I don't want to keep you too long. I'll say, oh, that's right. I say, no, 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 I, I have to be respectful of your time. And so it's better to study with people twice a week for one hour than it is to study once a week for four hours or even two hours. Because what happens is, is if let's just say you study with them twice a week, most people you won't, but some people will. And they say, well, you know, I've had this issue come up. Then you can say, well, instead of canceling, why don't we just do it once a week, right? You can, you can move back to that. Um, but it's very hard to get out of that. So the timeline of your Bible study, 8 to 10 minutes, you want to spend in that social time. Remember I told you you want to find out about their felt needs and ask them how the week's going. Now, if you're not careful, you'll end up spending an hour with that and then you've just you've just burned all your time okay so what do I do whenever um, I, I'm at that time where it's time to get into the study I say well did you have a chance to look at your lesson this week if you're doing the review method if you're doing the presenter method I'll say well why don't we go ahead and get started on our lesson right and uh, so I just move it into the lesson it's up to you to do that not them okay yeah, if there's something really going on, but you have to be careful that you're not doing that three out of four times, okay? If they just had, you know, if you get there and they say, oh, you know, my, my, uh, you know, you know, you know my, my father died, you know, just three days ago, and I meant to call you and I forgot, and, oh, well, you know, we don't have time to study, or we don't have to study today, why don't we just talk for a minute, I just want to have prayer with you and tell me what's on your heart, and, Maybe you share a Bible promise or two with them. But if they just had a bad day and they're stressed out, it's probably the Bible study that they really need. So, so don't just do anything. But if there's something major, they have a death or they've had a crisis, it'd be fine to just be that friend, okay? But don't do it every time they have a little, little stress, okay? All right, so 8 to 10 minutes social time, 30 to 45 minutes study time then you want to make sure that you leave ample time at the end of your study for that what? For that appeal and that decision question. Now, what's very important as well is that, uh, um, what is important? I've, I've, my mind's slipping here. Um, I forgot, so I'll have to come back to it. Anyway, 8 to 10 minutes social time, 30 to 45 minutes study time, 3 to 5 minutes appeal and decision. You don't want to rush that appeal and decision. You want to make sure that you have the time to do it in a comfortable way. Oh, I remember what I was going to say now. If you have to do the Bible study in two parts, that's fine. That's fine. Ask them a little decision question on the first half, 
and then come back the second half. Now what you want to strive not to do is on a subject like the Sabbath or something, you, you really want to try to, to get through that if possible. Yes? I was wondering, what about a situation where you um, Bible story, mm -hmm. but then if you want to study with um, I wouldn't. I would try to take someone with me and let them do the kids. But at the same time, there's a lot of kids, and she's helping. She's the one helping you. Yeah, sometimes you have to do the best you can. If you can bring somebody to help with the kids, or even two people, uh, if there's a special circumstance. But um, you know, sometimes you have to do the best you can. The reality of life is that, and uh, you may have to do your studies in halves or something. So you, you, just, you do the best you can with it. So, all right. Um, usually, when you do a Bible study with somebody, you're not taking two or three people. It's you and one other person. Okay? Unless there's a very special circumstance like that and you take a couple ladies to help with eight or ten kids or whatever. But when you go with someone else, if you take someone else and then someone else and then someone else and you go to that person's house, what's going to happen? They're kind of overwhelmed, aren't they? Unless it's specifically labeled a small group study, then that's different. Okay, But if it's just a personal Bible study, you don't want to do that. Also, the personal, the, the, the prayer partner, the person that goes with you, is the silent prayer partner. What does that mean? They don't interrupt. And you have to make that clear to that person before you go in. Because here's what happens. You go into that study, and you're sitting there, and you've been working up to a certain point for the last 10 minutes, right? And you're just about to make that point you pause to take your breath, and that person comes out and they just blabber out some foolishness that has nothing to do with that, and then it just completely changes the whole course of the thought process, and now you have to spend the next five minutes or ten minutes coming back to that point again. Does that make sense? So you talk to that person ahead of time. You say, you know what, I really need you to pray during this Bible study, but I'm going to lead the study, and I'm going to give you indicators of when you can say something. Because might the Holy Spirit impress them with a thought? Sure. So what I'll do is, as I'm going through the study, you know, I might say, you know, number one, question, answer, the Bible text, and then I might make my comment. And it probably won't be after every question, but after two or three or four questions, whenever you decide to do that, I'll look up, what's your name? I'll say, Charity, do you have anything to add to that? Do you have any thoughts on that? And then she knows that's her cue to speak up. Otherwise, she's what? She's silent. She's praying. Now, she might, I might ask her to read Bible texts and things, but I'm in control of that study with my prayer partner. You're not just chiming in, trying to outdo each other, because the people don't want to sit there and go like this. You know, they can't sit and go back and forth and listen to two trains of thought. It's overwhelming. Okay, So make sure you're staying on track with that. Yes? It's best. You know, if, if, you know, women, you're not going to study with men alone. Men, you're not going to study with women alone. It's better even if two men don't study with a woman. Um, if you're going to study with a woman, it needs, it needs to be a single woman. You can go by yourself. But you can't always manage to get someone or a man and a woman going. Um, if it's a husband and wife going to study with the, a woman, and the wife can't go this week, then you try to find someone else. If you can't, it's probably better to even 
postpone it or find someone else to, to do it for you. Um, because I'm telling you, it's happened to me, it's happened to other time, other, other ministers I know and other people. You go in the house and, and, and it can happen both ways, men and women. You know, the woman disappears and she comes out without any clothes on. It's happened. A, a women sitting there, a man goes out and he comes back, no clothes on. I mean, it just happens, okay? And so um, uh, it's not a good thing, but it happens, so you always want to guard yourself. This day and age, <laughs> you can be a man studying with a man and you kind of still have to be careful, right? But, uh, or a woman with a woman. I mean, it, it, you just, it's just, it, it's best to go in twos, but sometimes you can't always, but you still have to protect yourself in that, okay? So don't stay longer than what? One hour, and maybe once every five studies, an hour and 15 minutes, but after that, you want to be very careful. All right, uh, so now we're giving the study. After the, I have the social time, how's your week been, et cetera, et cetera. Have a short prayer before the Bible study. Remember to keep it short and simple. Don't ask people to kneel, okay? Don't ask people to hold hands unless they initiate it. If they initiate it, it's fine. But you want to be as, you know, unobtrusive um, as possible, okay? So we don't say, let's, you know, let's all kneel together and hold our hands. And no, 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 no. However they want to do it, just sit there and have a prayer. After the prayer, begin your Bible study with a short introduction to the lesson. Now, if you're studying the Antichrist, you're not going to say, today we're going to study the Antichrist, and we're going to find out that it's the Roman Catholic Church. You know, you're not doing that. Today we're going to talk about Sunday worship as the mark of the beast, okay? No, no, no. Today we're going to talk about the Sabbath being Saturday, right? You don't want to do that up front because what's going to happen? They're going to be like, what? You know? But today we're going to study the mark of the beast. And a lot of people think it's, you know, a, a social security number or a, or a credit card or microchip. But what does the Bible really say about the mark of the beast? So many people have been intrigued, and we're going to find out today that it really deals with worship and, and who we're going to give our allegiance to in the last days. So let's go ahead and start our lesson. Number one, right? So does that make sense? You're giving them a little feed into that, okay? All right. So how do I do it? I, it's very simple. Again, not rocket science. I proceed through the Bible study step by step. You know, we're going to go through our study. Uh, we're going to, typically the way I do it is... I read the question, and they read the verse. Why do, they want, why do I want them to read the verse? Because they're seeing it, they're speaking it, and they're hearing themselves speak it, and that gives the greatest impression. That's when the most conviction comes to their heart, when they're reading it. Do you ever notice how an evangelist, sometimes on certain key texts, he'll have the whole audience read it? One, it's to wake them up, but it's also to what? to give a bigger impression from that verse. Does it make sense? So my, my partner that's with me, I will have them read some of the texts, but which texts am I having them typically read? Huh? The, the texts that are not as big of a point. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So I'll say, Charity, could you read this, this one for us? So I want them reading two or three, four verses out of the whole study because I don't want the person to get the feeling that, you know, it's just we're kind of honing in on them. It's kind of a little group, and we're all participating. But I'm leaving those key texts 
for that person to read, okay? Uh, you know, I might, I might have to help them, um, help them along, but it's still good. I, I mean, I met a guy that um, he actually ended up being baptized. He didn't know how to read, and he actually learned how to read by reading the Bible. And so I, I, I study with an, I've studied with several people, but I remember this one particular guy. Our first Bible study was the first time in his life. He was in his mid-40s. The first time in his life he'd ever read the Bible. It was amazing. It's a great feeling. Okay? All right. Um, so it's still good, even if, the, even, if the tech, even if the lesson has the text. Most of the lessons today have the blanks, so you have to fill it in. Okay? Like the Amazing Facts Study Guides, um, they have the full verse. If you were by chance using those, you still want to look up the verse with them, even if it's printed in the lesson, because that's going to help you in the long run because they're seeing it from their own Bible, not just this booklet. Okay? They're also learning how to find it. That's exactly right. Okay? All right. Um, you know, in between your questions, you might want to, Add a comment. Don't go on a dissertation. Maybe a couple sentences. Um, you know, don't read the comments unless it's something really good and specific. Okay, you know, sometimes you might underline something in the comment that, like, yeah, I need to read this one or two sentences. But don't read paragraphs to people because they get bored. Go through the lesson ahead of time. Know what the lesson says, and then look them in the eye and speak. Okay, makes sense? That's much, much better. All right, illustrations and et cetera. I, I've already covered that in our other uh, text. Emphasize the most important points. I've made that, I've already talked about that. Sometimes I ask them occasional questions as I proceed to make sure that they understand and to stimulate spiritual thoughts on the text. Um, so some, sometimes... The temptation will be to say, as you're going through the lesson, you want to make sure they're tracking, is this clear to you? There's nothing wrong with that question, but, or, or the other question, does this make sense? There's not really anything super wrong with asking that, but I found that I need to get more specific. Not always, but most of the time. For instance, I might say to them, as I'm going through the Sabbath, is this clear to you? And they're, they're like, oh, yeah. And then we get to the end of the lesson, and they're still thinking Sunday is the Sabbath, right? So as I'm studying the Sabbath, then I'll say, is it clear to you that the seventh day of the week is the Sabbath, Saturday? Is that clear to you from the Bible? Does that make sense? Is it clear to you that when the dead die, they know nothing, they sleep? Does that make sense to you, right? And then I continue through the lesson. So I'm having little checkpoints along the way. And those checkpoints are going to be right in the lesson. I mean, you ask the question, you read the verse, and, you know, you're going to ask them, does that make sense? Is it clear? Not on every question, but periodically. Make sense? Or should I say, does it make sense that you should ask them specific questions, right? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Very good. So let me back up here. Um, so sometimes, uh, here's some samples of questions that I, I might ask them throughout the Bible study. I'm not asking them every single question, but I, I occasionally do this. What does this text say to you? What do you think God wants us to know from this text? 
And you'll be amazed at the answers they'll give you. Like, they'll just be like spot on. You'll be like, if I had tried to say that myself, I could not have said it better than what they said it. Okay? Uh, do you see how the example of whatever it is applies to your life? How does this apply to you? Right? This is how what makes Bible studies very relevant. Remember I told you yesterday, asking what? Questions, right? Uh, what changes do you sense God calling you to make in your life because of this text? Isn't this powerful? Because now, what are they beginning to vocalize? They need to change, but what do we call that? It's a C. Conviction. They're beginning to vocalize that conviction. You know, I read, um, you know, let's just say Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God in it. You should do no work, right? And then I asked him, what, what do you think God's saying through this text? We should rest. We should keep this day holy, right? Then I, I would say, I might ask them, well, what does it mean to keep it holy? And they say, well, we need to stop doing certain things on the Sabbath, right? They may say that. I need to cease work. Then I'll say, what do you think God's calling you to do to make changes to be able to honor the Sabbath? Well, I need to, I need to be off work, right? And be, that conviction begins to hit them. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to them, right? How does following through with this bring us closer to Christ? How would keeping the Sabbath bring you closer to Jesus, do you think? I just wait for an answer. Ask and wait, ask and wait. It's very easy, amen? Um, if God wants you to do this, do you think that He can give you what you need to do it? You think if God wants you to be off on the Sabbath, He'll provide the way for you to be off, and He'll make that happen for you. You think He'll do that for you? So when I ask them that, what am I, what am I building? What, or not me, but what's God building through those questions? Their what? Their confidence, their faith, and their trust in Him. Amen. So, so when you combine all these things, when you're asking them those questions, and then you're sharing that testimony, that testimony of what God did for you, what does it do? It puts them in the best place possible to make that decision to follow Christ. Okay? Marries their desire and their confidence. That's right. That's right. That's right. People, people, will make, people will make decisions based upon two things, truth and trust. If they know it's true and they know they can trust you and the result, They'll make that decision, okay? And there's more than that, but that's a good, simple, simple way. All right, um, answer questions only as they may relate to what you're studying. If you're studying Daniel 2 and they say, why do you go to church on Saturday? Oh, well, you know, we're going to talk about that later down the road, but let's stay on this study first. We're going to build up to it, okay? Don't answer unrelated questions during the study that just satisfy curiosities. Answer those at a different time like will my pet go to heaven or whatever. Stay focused. Always uh, try to avoid getting off the subject. Um, bring it back to the study. So I had this guy one time that I studied with, and I knew when the guy started to speak, it was going to be at least like 10 minutes before I could get back to that subject, right? And so I, would all, I will often, as I'm studying with people, I will smile and I'll nod as they go off on this thing. And then when they try to like take a breath or something, I'll say, that's very interesting. All right, let's keep going in our study. 
and, and I'm, not, I'm not cutting them off, and I'm not like, I'm not doing it in a way that seems abrupt. I'm doing it very kindly and sweetly. But I'm like, wow, that's very interesting. You'll have to tell me more about that sometime. Well, let's keep going on our lesson because I want to make sure that we're able to get through it, okay? Now, if they're asking, gen if they're making genuine comments specifically on the subject, I'm always more adapt to receive those, right? But, uh, but don't, don't be unfriendly about it and don't be abrupt about it, but be smooth about it. Okay, be smooth. Yes. Mm hmm When my soul, I try to get them back. Yeah. You just have to keep directing them back, directing them back and say, we can talk about that sometime. But let's get through this lesson first, and then we'll come back to that. But it's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. And we'll, get, we'll come back to it, another, another one. But I just want to keep us on track. You can even say, I get confused if I talk about too many things at once. And then, and then you know, I just play the dumb card, okay? <laughs> All right. I mentioned this, avoid reading your notes or being familiar with them. Um, and and the, th the reality is the more you give that study, the more comfortable you're going to get with it. And there's times like, and I don't say this, it's all the work of the Holy Spirit, but there's times I don't even prepare. I just walk in the house and sit down and, all right, let's study. And I haven't, because I, I, I've done it so many times before, doesn't mean I don't trust the Holy Spirit, but it's because I do trust the Holy Spirit, right? I know the material. I know He's going to lead me, so I, I do that. All right. Um, at the end of the study, make an appeal to them. If they aren't ready to make that decision, they either aren't convicted or they're resisting conviction. One of two things. I've had people say to me, I say, do you, do you sense God calling you to do this? They're like, no. Okay. They're not convicted. So there's ways to deal with that in the decisions class. They need more information. If they are convicted, you will need to use the methods from the decision class to bring to the decision, which they will go over with you. All right, just some real simple points. Have confidence in your study. Don't apologize for the Word of God. If you didn't have time to prepare, don't go in there and say, you know, I just want to warn you ahead of time, this is probably going to be a really bad study. Uh, I didn't have time to prepare. And, I, you know, I just, um, I just real, feel really bad about it. I'm really sorry. I'll do the best that I can. No, 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 no. Don't ever say that to people. Don't ever say that if you preach a sermon. I didn't really, because if you say it, what are people expecting? A bad sermon. And if they're expecting a bad sermon, it's already hard enough to keep their focus and attention if you have a good sermon. So if you tell them it's bad to begin with, they're going to check out right then, aren't they? They're going to be like, oh, well, let's see what's on Facebook here. Right? Right in the middle of church. No. Uh, those are often the best studies because the Holy Spirit knows you're in a, in a moment of humility here. And he'll do something great. But don't, don't make a habit of not preparing either, okay? You write a prayer. Take turns reading the text. I mentioned that. Smile, look people in the eye. Be exciting, excited and passionate without being obnoxious. Don't be annoyingly zealous, okay? Don't be like, oh, it's so wonderful. My mother just died. Oh, it's so wonderful, right? You know, be real, but be excited. If you're not excited, they're not going to be what? They're not going to be excited. Sit up. This is very simple. Sit up straight. You know, don't be, don't be, you know, like this. And, and uh, you know, the Bible says that, um, 
Jesus died for our sins and he really loves you. You know, and then you're just like, you laugh, but I've been in Bible studies with my students and they do that. And I'm just like, get yourself together, man. All right, speak clearly. Don't monotone and vary your voice in what you're saying. Don't shout in delicate moments. Don't say like, you know, if you're studying, let's just say death with somebody or something, and and uh, you're going to be like, you know, Jesus cares about you if your loved one dies. Jesus knows the pain you have, right? And then other times you're going to be like, Jesus is going to come with the sound of a trumpet. He's going to raise the dead. You know, and you also don't want to be just so monotone that you're like boring people out of their minds. Fluctuate your voice. You know, Jesus is going to come with a trumpet. And he's going to blow that thing, and the dead are going to raise from the, from, from the grave to be alive with him forevermore. Be excited, right? But it's simple, but it's very important. Um, I mentioned this. Trust that God is with you. It's not about what you're doing, but about what he is doing. Amen? The Holy Spirit will lead you. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? The greatest fear, right? Here's your response. That's a good question. Let's all say that together. That's a good question. I am so glad you asked that question. And the truth is, I don't know. Now, was that the end of the world? You don't want them to think that you know everything. But you do want them to think that the Bible knows everything. Amen? And so if you don't know, you don't know. And the worst thing you can do is try to manufacture some kind of concocted fake answer because they're going to see through that. If you don't know, just tell them. They'll respect you more. You know, I don't know. You know, no one's ever asked me that before. You know, I've not gotten that question before. It's a good question. I've, always, I've actually, or maybe you say, I've also wondered that myself. I've never really had the time to look into it. But I'll tell you what, I'll research that this week and I'll come back and we'll see what the Bible says. A better way to do it is to say, I'll tell you what, you look it up, you look up in the Bible, what you, you do some research from the Bible, I'll do some research, and we'll come back together and we'll see, we'll compare notes, okay? Make sense? Isn't that simple? It's not that hard. What if they ask me a question that is on a future subject? Once again, that's a great question, right? You're affirming them, that's a great question. We have a subject coming up on that soon. It's better for us to cover these fundamental subjects first. I don't want to ruin it for you, and a five-minute answer won't be enough, right? Sometimes I'll joke with it, and I'll say, look, if I tell you now, then when we study it, you're going to fall asleep during the study, so I don't want you to fall asleep. I want you to study, right? Amen? So let's wait to that subject, and then I'll say, I promise it'll be worth it, okay? Is that simple? What if they keep on pressing you? They keep saying, yeah, but I'll just smile. We're going to wait. It's going to be, and I'll say to them, I'm going to, I'll say, it's going to be so glorious when we study this subject. And you're going to be so excited to see what the Bible says. And you won't be disappointed because the Bible always tells the truth. But let's do these first, okay? And I just, you know, I just give it back to them. All right. A couple more things. Can we, can we go to five after? You guys okay with that? Five after three is good? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, 
I try to get a decision from them as soon as possible to accept who? Jesus. That might be the first lesson, it might be the second, the third, but the sooner they accept Jesus, the sooner they're going to accept what? The truth of, of the other subjects. Does that make sense? Because when they accept Christ as Savior and they see Christ in those other subjects, does that make sense? Then it makes it easier to say yes to the subject because they're saying yes to Jesus. If you, if you have, if they don't say yes to Christ and you're presenting the Sabbath and all these things, they just see them as restrictive requirements. But if they, say, if they see Christ in them ahead of time, then they see that these are things that enhance my relationship and my experience with Him. Make sense? All right? Number two, ask for a decision in how many Bible studies? Everything. Here's something important. Try to, or I don't say try, but avoid asking them things like, what do you think about the study or, or do you agree with this? I never ask people if they agree with it because it doesn't matter if they agree with it. What happens if I ask them if they agree? Who becomes now the, the authority? They do. And they, I elevate them by asking that question to a position where now they are, they are um, judging the Word of God. Does that make sense? And they become the judge. They become the authority rather than the Scripture. But I'll say statements rather like, do you see what the Bible says on this subject? Or can you see what God is asking us to do from this text? Or can you see how God has spoken to us from this text? I always put the Bible in the position of authority, not them. Make sense? That's right. And I'll say, you know, I'll say, can you see this from the Bible? Can you see that God is speaking this truth from the Bible? And the Bible is always the authority. Okay? All right. Um, I mentioned this. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know the answer to every question. Don't ever prove your subject, 10 or 12 texts. Don't mention things that are hard to explain from the spirit of prophecy. Like, for instance, for instance, Ellen White never conflicts with Scripture. However, some of the things that she presents aren't directly stated in Scripture, but the broader principle is there, and she derived it from the principle of Scripture. Does that make sense? One simple example is this. This is one that I've heard people say in the Bible study that I go with them on and I'm listening to them. They'll say, yeah, when, 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 when God brought the flood in Noah's day, He took the tree of life up into heaven, and there it is waiting for us when we go back to heaven. Ella White says that, right? She says that. And then... But then you can't really point to a Bible verse and say you can't. You could say, well, it's in Revelation. It's the tree of life. So God could have done that. You could say he could have done it. But if you say he did do that, what are they going to say? Very, very earnestly and excitedly, they're going to say, well, where does the Bible say that? And you're going to be like, it doesn't. Right? Make sense? So be careful what you do that, uh, how you do that. Don't even talk about Ellen White. Do not present Ellen White into your Bible studies until you cover the subject of Ellen White, which is typically way at the end. Okay? Don't, don't give them Ellen White quotes. They don't need that. Okay? When you get to the end of your Bible study series, when you cover the subject of Ellen White, you want to be able to make the strong point. Now, throughout our Bible study series, have you ever heard me say Ellen White says? No, it's always been the what? The Bible says. Okay? 
All right, um, be consistent with your Bible studies. So important that you do not miss that Bible study unless you have a serious crisis like a death or something in your life. If you went to the grocery store and you forgot the soy milk and you say, oh, i got to have the soy milk for whatever, are you going to call and cancel your Bible study? No. no? You're going to go to Meyer after your Bible study and get the, get the soy milk, right? So, so my point is, don't be canceling your Bible studies at the drop of a hat and at the blow of every wind. Uh, you gotta, you got to take those things as life and death. Now, they may be canceling all the time, but you can't be canceling, okay? You also want to salt the oats for your next study. Uh, you want to say, you know, our next Bible study is going to, we're going to start talking about the Antichrist and who is this mystery power the Bible talks about in Revelation and in Daniel. And you might even ask them, who do you think the Antichrist is? And they may say, the Roman Catholic Church. You're not going to say, yeah, you got it. No, you're going to say, well, could be, could be something else. But what is it? We're going to talk about that coming up, right? You want to salt that oat because you want them to lick that salt block and want more. Amen? Now, everything I'm telling you, do you think you're going to do all these things, the first Bible study you give? No, but you're going to keep, keep working at it, right? You'll get better and better at it. Uh, when, when I know that we are going to have an evangelistic series coming up, let's say in the next month and a half or two months or even three months, um, I'm going to typically... Try to avoid the harder subjects like the Sabbath and um, you know major decision quite, uh, subjects because where I want them to really get those subjects at in the meeting. Now it can also work if, if it's somebody that already knows that you keep the Sabbath, that's a little different, okay? But if it's somebody that's never heard of it before, it's better for them to get in the meeting, okay? Now if we have an evangelistic meeting six months away, Am I going to go ahead and cover the Sabbath? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and cover it, right? But just be smart about that and think about that. When's the best time to invite someone to church? It depends. If you're in your first study with them and they say, yeah, I know you're, you know, they know you're an Adventist, and they say, man, I'd really like to go to church with you sometime. Are you going to wait till you cover the Sabbath? When are you going to say? Come with me this week. We love, we have a nice meal for this week and, and whatever. Come with me. Right, but if they don't know you're an Adventist, you've met them in the community, and um, they're, they're kind of skeptical. They're kind of, I don't know about you yet. Am I going to start inviting them to church yet? No, I'm going to wait till I cover the what? Cover the Sabbath. And say, why don't you come and check out our church? I think you'd really enjoy it. Right. And what's beautiful is if you have a kid that's doing the special music that week. You know, my son is going to sing this week. Come and hear him. Or if you're doing the, uh, the sermon or whatever, if you're doing something in the service, that's the time, that's a draw for them, right? I'm going to be preaching, why don't you come? Or I'm going to be doing the, uh, the scripture reading, you know, and I'll come and sit with you, but come in here, right? It's a great draw. All right, any questions? I didn't cover everything I could have, but I covered the most important things and the things that you need the most, okay? Yes, sir. Yeah, I kind of talked about that. It depends upon what method you're doing. If you're doing the review method, then you put the lesson in their hand ahead of time. They fill it out. If you're doing the presenter method, then you give it to them when you get to their house to do it. Okay? And some people always ask me, what's the best Bible studies to use? Um, I think it's these right here, actually. These are some of the best ones. 
people that we have done them with, um, they really like them. They're really good lessons. Yeah, you can do these anytime. You can do these anytime. The other ones, I mean, the historical, the landmarks of prophecy, those are good. Um, you know, the, uh, what are some other ones? I don't, there's different ones out there. What's that? Search for certainty. Cer those are okay. Search for certainty by it is written. Those are good also. Um, the amazing facts study guides are good, but I don't like to do those sitting down with people. If I'm just going to be leaving them with people, those are good. Um, and then they can just read them. Um, but basically, probably most sets of Bible studies are like 85% the same. This one here does not cover, this series does not cover uh, like, a, like Christian lifestyle and adornment. So you would want, that's where you're going to want to make your own Bible study, okay, and cover that with them. There may be other subjects that you need to cover. Um, not every series covers every subject you'll want to cover with them, but most series are a good core to follow. So don't reinvent the wheel, okay? All right, yes. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, if people, if people are canceling one out of every four studies, that's pretty good. If they're canceling three out of every four, that's kind of a challenge. Um, and I might ask them, you know, if they're canceling, most of, I might ask them, is there a better time that we could get together? Is there a time that we're better for you? And sometimes I'll say, you know, after they've done it many times, I'll say, do you really have an interest to continue the studies? I mean, I really want to do them with you, but I just want to make sure it's the right thing for you. Um, and I give them the opportunity to opt out. But I'm always praying, God, if this person is not right, just have them end it. And, they, and I find that almost all, because I don't want to waste my time. And uh, if they're really serious, then do that. But in this day and age, people are going to cancel sometime or another. They're going to they're say, oh, I can't do it today or whatever. And usually the reality is all of their life's demands, this usually gets kicked the first. The first okay? so, so you have to bear patiently with people, but at the same time, you can't be running in circles and there's not a hard, fast rule, but you really have to let the Holy Spirit guide you for each person. There's kind of rules. I mean, if they're canceling all the time, then you're going to know. I don't know, but some of those people end up being your, your best baptism. So you really got to let the Holy Spirit guide. That method always helps me, though. Lord, if this is not the real deal, then let them cancel, and they will. All right, I think we better, we better have prayer here. And uh, I'll be happy to talk to you after this if you would like. But it's been a blessing. Hope it's been a blessing to you. I know it was incredibly fast and crashed course, but um, you can go back and review and we'll get you those notes and come to the 10-day in Lansing. Um, we'll uh, do September 8 to 17. September 8 to 17. Um, I have a basement and we have a church basement. We don't have a shower at the church, but um, we do the best we can. So, All right, well, let's pray together, and uh, we'll ask the Lord to bless us. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity, and we pray it was beneficial. If we can just take even some of these things and begin to use them and apply them, we'll be miles ahead from where we were yesterday. So we ask your blessing to be with us as we go forth, and may your spirit, Lord, be with every person as they uh, go back to their home churches and they begin to 
put this into practice, and Lord, may the Spirit of God lead them. And it's all about you, Lord. We, we don't have the strength or the wisdom to do these things, but you will lead us and guide us. So we ask for you to charge us, to energize us, to lay upon us the burden for souls. And may we each feel the personal responsibility to lead those around us to Christ. Many will say no, but some will say yes. And we're looking for those needles in the haystack. And we're praying for your divine hand to lead us to them. And you will. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.